Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete. I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppetDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Officially announced today, Thursday night teams are coming back for round 10. So that's not this week. That is next week. What are your thoughts? Amazing, but uh, more pressure on our benches to have coverage, especially for Geelong players. <laughs> especially for Geelong players. So just my thoughts on those. Expect an increase in late changes, yeah? So uh, exactly. pretty much halved when we went back to day before team announcements last year, and that was pretty much due to COVID and the condensed fixture. But that has also played out into this year, where it is halved since 2019, the amount of late changes. Uh, so I do expect those to increase as a result of Thursday night teams, which is great to have. We have that information. Uh, but for me, just on top of that, uh, hopefully the AFL introduces mandatory injury reporting in the near future. It's not a new radar. I haven't really heard it mentioned, but I think that's uh, a great initiative down the track that they could probably add to these Thursday night teams. What are your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, look, it's, it's whatever is the system that they want to run with and what they ran with, you know, previous years that's worked for so long. I just don't understand how it got changed. Yeah, it was due to COVID. So they went to the day. Remember we had the condensed feature last year? Yeah, yeah. It, so, more this season. Obviously last year, it's um, it would be uh, nice to go, you know, we're going back to normality with 20-minute quarters. It would, would have been ideal. And I think the AFL realised that after a bit of public outcry more as well from the fantasy and well more from the fantasy community yeah i'm a bit surprised i didn't go back round one but anyway we're right here at round 10 things are back to normal okay if you retweet any podcast link that is sent out via twitter uh you're in a chance at scoring a plus six podcast cap we're going to give a few more away at the midway point of the season afr ratings twitter accounts plenty of stuff going on there from fantasy content as well uh, so just jump on and follow. All I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets and also uh, aforatings.com.au for additional fantasy content, injuries and other stuff going on there. So click on and have a look around. Just a reminder that this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this particular podcast on Tuesday night, May 11. Make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Okay, Jeff, let's get into it. By planning, where are you currently at? Yeah, well, it's affecting my trades this week, mate. I um, I'm obviously, well, like many, probably heavy on the round 14 um, with my players at the minute. Uh, but round 13, round 12, looking pretty happy. So, loving those three trades during the buy rounds, which definitely help with the balance of players and, and getting that top 18. So, look, I am pretty happy. Um, trying to avoid some injury carnage from here to then is would be great. And having more quality rooks available would be great as well. Yeah, just for me as well, just uh, keeping a monitor on uh, the amount of players that I have available over the bye weeks and obviously targeting round 13 as soon as players come out of the first buy week. Okay, Jeb, top three things to keep in mind when preparing for the buy weeks. Oh, it's it's more just primos and, and having your primos and captain choices set during the buy rounds. I think that sort of goes under the carpet sometimes and um, identifying some some real big potential scores that you can captain or vice captain and, and, and get ahead. I think... Um, yeah, making sure the rooks that you trade out now 
uh, the rooks with the shaky job security um, because we will need all of our rooks playing by the buy rounds or as many as possible. It's really going to throw a spanner in the works when, you know, at the moment I've got five red dots on my bench. That's uh, that's not ideal and um, it needs to be fixed. So having the playing rooks as well, number two, and then number three is um, yeah having the balance to um, to trade to. So identifying your trade targets during the the buy rounds is what I'm getting at there. It's you know pre-planning those trades and even if you have to sideways a primo or an underperforming primo, for example, during the buy rounds, making sure you plan out who you want to target, who you want to bring in, and, and and lay out the three weeks and hopefully it goes to plan. Yeah, that's uh, actually number one for me. So have your targets ready for round 13 to hit and smash into and make sure you get them as soon as round 13 hits. So don't forget we have the three trades per week during the buy weeks as well, which is a benefit. Uh, the second one for me is to make sure you have the cash available to upgrade to those targets that you have. And the third one to me is to remain absolutely disciplined through that period. Or right, Jep, some current assessments here. So just going to run you through some uh, team situations uh, that I've noticed over the last week or so that could impact from a fantasy point of view. Uh, Collingwood did, uh, Nathan Buckley flagged plenty of changes last week and that is exactly what happened on the weekend. Obviously the most obvious one was Darcy Moore going back to defence. That only lasted three weeks. So you can understand from Nathan Buckley's point of view that he will try something for a short period of time and then go back to something else, which sort of, if you expand that out into other players within the team, is that moving into a position for one or two weeks might not last the remainder of the season. So that's my point on Josh Dacos. So he did see an increase in centre bounce usage for the previous two weeks, and last weekend he was moved back out to a wing-type role. So it's not what we did think that was going to happen, that we was going to maintain that through the remainder of the year, which it could spike back up, but it did not. It was straight back out. Tyler Brown came straight back into that team and, he, and he's seen a high amount of centre bounce usage, as did Jack Crisp. Not only that, Steel Sidebottom was back into the midfield as well. The other player which was key here is that Scott Pendlebury did spend a lot of time forward and seen a season low centre bounce usage. So what I'm getting at here with the Magpies is that, you know, two and five, for me, it's the season, season's pretty much done. So expect some change. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yes, um, the primos of, other than Grundy at Collingwood are, um, are volatile, aren't they? As well as the rooks, you know, they're going to mix up the rooks here and there in, in team selection. So, yeah, not an ideal situation. Um, but, yeah, probably avoid those Collingwood primos other than Grundy. Yeah, and Taylor Adams is uh, on the radar to return, not just yet. He's getting back into full training now, but knee brace off. He's back doing um, some pretty uh, decent work through his training, so he's not that far away. So just that's one for those that were targeting Josh Dacos. Okay, on to Hawthorne. Clarko moves Jack Scrimshaw into the midfield, and the Hawks are actually pretty poor on the weekend. So he says in his press conference, you know, it pretty much were in a losing position quite early in that game, so what can they get out of the game? So he pretty much said that we need to get a, like a, a result. So let's throw some players into different positions and see how that happens. Now, we know Clarko, in a rebuild, a redevelopment phase for the Hawks, he throws players around everywhere. That is just, if you don't know that, well, you're completely out of the loop with Clarko. So Scrimshaw into the midfield, it, it's quite strange to see him there. So what that does tell me is that in-game that they will make moves that are quite strange. 
week to week they'll make moves that are quite strange. And over the course of the season, who knows what's going to happen. So Clarko, in a redevelopment phase, expect changes. Your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, look, again, it's, it's more just... Like, I think Tom Mitchell is a low risk in that sense. I yep. think inside mid, you know, he doesn't add too much value anywhere else. Um, but someone like a Cozzy who heaps of us own, um, you know, he could be thrown back. Who knows? Um, you can't rule that out. And Tom Phillips, you know, he's got to wake up generally with his form. But, um, yeah, he hopefully he gets a, a shot in the inside mid as well just for a week or two. God, anything. Um, but, yeah, again, it's... It's just avoiding those. I'd avoid a Warple because Warple's probably the flavour of the week in the last two weeks, but he could go back to his tagging role like he started the season and then score poorly again. I know he's had a great couple of weeks after being released from his tagging duties, but you don't know what you're going to get from week to week. So it's it comes with risk. Yeah, I agree. I, and I agree with what you say with Tom Mitchell, he's low risk. And that's that's pretty much what you need to associate with a lot of these players when you're considering if they're in a redevelopment phase is what level of risk are they? I agree with you, Tom Mitchell is low risk, but when you think James Warple, you've got to increase that risk quite a bit. And Jago O'Meara is potentially coming back this week. So, you know, does that move Warple back on the outside and what does that affect everywhere else? So you just need to factor in a lot of moving parts within a Clarko type team. Now, the next one here, we've got David Teague. Flags changes in his post-game presser into that Carlton midfield rotation. So, centre clearances have been an issue for Carlton, especially over the last two weeks. So, the round seven, uh, they were minus eight, and round eight, they were minus 16. Midway point of the game, Carlton were actually in control of that game, but from that point onwards, they absolutely got crushed through those centre bounces. So... The first thoughts coming out of the game were really good from Teague. His flag changes it instantly. So you've just got to keep an eye on what is going to happen to that car midfield. So again, at coach flags change, expect that something's going to happen for this week at least or for the short-term future. Your thoughts on Carlton, Chip? Yeah, I, I saw those comments and I probably read into it a bit more from my opinion. And this is obviously hypothetical or a hunch, but I, I thought he meant Setterfield and... Kennedy, who are in the VFL at the minute, I, f- I flagged those changes, but as a Walsh owner, it makes me nervous. You know, he could be pushed out outside a bit more and um, it might be an issue. So, yeah, look, not ideal. We just run with what we've got and, and manage it week to week and see, see what the changes are and hopefully the good players stay where they should be. Yeah, as far as Walsh are concerned, uh, he's fine on the outside. If he started on a wing for, you know, well, Let's put it this way. If he was about 25% centre bounces and the rest of it win, that, I still think that's fine. I still think he can hit a really big ceiling game because his work ethic from contest to contest is absolutely outstanding. So he's just he's going to get his load. It just depends where and how he's going to get that. It doesn't necessarily have to be at centre bounces. But, yeah, the Blues have been smashed, so let's see what they roll out with this week and the short-term future for that midfield. Now, on to the next situation, that is Richmond. Uh, decimated with injuries for that midfield. So, Raleigh Colley Dawkins comes into that team. Uh, he was He's actually been really good. Uh, Jack Ross has been played on the outside, so I expect him to go into the middle of the ground. Shy Bolton is now out of injury. And the most, pretty much the Tigers' most important player is Shane Edwards out of that team, man. So, mm. so he goes out of that team and, and you know, Cochin's out of there, Lambert's out of there. Martin is pretty much... He might get sat on now. Um, so that's an interesting one for Richmond. 
but there's high pressure on him to perform. So uh, Will Martin and Hugo Rail-Smith have been on the fringes of selection uh, for most of the season, so you've got to keep an eye on that. Josh Caddy was wrestled out of the VFL last week with a bit of soreness, so he might come in with a bit of experience on AFL 360 last night. Damien Hardwick does suggest, did suggest, sorry, that he's going to give some players some opportunities. So is that the new guys that are coming in? My thought, that was my initial thought. But we'll see how team selection goes. They play the Giants this week. Now, we know the Giants have actually been on fire the last four weeks, and especially with Mumford in that team. So it's it's pretty much now a tough matchup for that young, which probably is going to be a young Richmond midfield. What are your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, um, I expect Martin to go more midfield, personally, and have mm. the stronger bodies. Uh, yep. You can't have Martin and Collie Dawkins at the same centre bounce. They'll rotate through there. Um, but it's interesting who else he's going to throw in there. He does like to mix up his centre bounces, but you're right. Shane Edwards, he's one of the one. most underrated footballers in the AFL, yeah. and, um, and yeah, it's going to sting. So... Very interested to watch Richmond closely. I think um, Jack Ross is a bit of a sneaky, cheapy to watch um, as a mid. He's, he's on the high side for a rookie price. So he's 346 grand at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's four four games till Richmond's buy. They've got four games, including this week. So Collie Dawkins' owners will all be jumping on, or the non-owners will all be jumping on, and they should. So Richmond should be fine out of the flip side of that buy. It's just that they need to get into a situation where they probably split their next few games into that buy period, and then they should be fine for the remainder of the season. But, yeah, uh, volatile situation for Richmond at this stage. Uh, Just on Jack Ross there, I don't think I've seen that many ceiling games from him, so... Yeah, I'd be a little bit hesitant there that we'd pretty much be looking at 50s and 60s, and if you're going to be spending in, in that much amount of money, you might as well just go down a little bit cheaper there. So I'm not too sure on him as a target, but yeah, I, I, I do expect him to see a fair amount of um, inside midfield usage, and, and maybe it's just his time to, sh- uh, to shine, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, now on to the North Melbourne situation. Jaden Stevenson, um, big target for highly ranked coaches, at this stage, I know you're an owner, Jeb, so that's a tough pill to swallow injury, but it's just going to be interesting to see uh, with the Kangaroos that they they are actually decimated with injuries. So, you know, is this a time where David Noble can mess around thing, with things in the team, uh, mess around with some lines? Trent Dumont is due back from injury. Uh, well, he's been playing in the VFL, so the, he's been wanting to get kilometres in his leagues. I think he should be good to go this week, if not the week after. Uh, which might mean Ben Cunnington could move forward, and who knows what's going to happen with those type of lines. But yeah, it's just a short-term variance with Stevenson, and what do they do with his role um, going out of the team? What are your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, it's a stinger, um, and interesting to see which way um, Stevenson owners go. I think um, you know there's some obvious moves, but there's some non-obvious moves as well. Um, I'm I'm looking at some non-obvious moves, obviously, but um, in terms of North Melbourne, yeah, look, they they have a very young list with a massive injury toll. Um, it's more responsibility for the young guys, I hope, and, um, yeah, he's hoping that correlates to some good fantasy scores. Yeah, Will Phillips, hopefully he can get some inside midfield usage. That'd be great because I think he'll get there eventually. But yeah, yeah. He's had limited inside midfield usage this year. Um, and just on Tom Powell, man, they've got the Hawks this week, so hopefully he can put up a decent number 
from the Kangaroos' point of view. Uh, we might as well, while we're there, we'll just talk a little bit about Zeebel and Aaron Hall. Aaron Hall putting up huge ceiling games and a little bit of impact on Zeebel, but I still think that they should be pretty good. But your thoughts on those? I think we've got them coming up in the podcast, but your thoughts? Yeah, I um, I think we've expected, well, we've seen what we expected. I think, again, Zeebel's the, the um, stay-at-home, you know, defensive or stay-at-home defender, sorry, and um, and Aaron Hall's a line-breaker, and he's got the licence to run and create. So I think it's pretty obvious that it's likely Aaron Hall is going to score more in a general sense, especially if Zeebel's kicking it to him. And I I feel like Zeebel's got, especially in that Fremantle game where he scored push over 160, it, um, it was a game where the ball didn't move or break lines at all. Stayed there, yeah. Yeah, so it, it definitely is affecting his score slightly, but, you know, he's, he still scored 95 last week um, and um, basically doing the job. It's, um, yeah, I brought in Aaron Hall and many did, and um, he's hoping it keeps going. Yeah, if you could guarantee me, Jeb, that Aaron Hall is going to play that role for the remainder of the year, he's an absolute smash play. Like, it's just rocket to the moon. So... Yeah, we'll get to him I, in a little bit, uh, but yeah. Look, for me, I, I'm baby steps. I just want him to the last after the buy rounds, and then we can deal with it later. Um, if it's if it's carnage before the buy rounds with a an injury or a role change or whatever or poor scores, then then it's an issue. But at the moment, you know that cheap and that ceiling, gotta have him. Okay, on to some break-evens to target. Only five players currently have a negative break-even, Jeb. So we're going into Jordan Sweet. So Steph Martin out for a couple of weeks with an Achilles injury. Tim English didn't get back from concussion protocol um, last week, but he is due back this week. Jordan Sweet gets another game. He was actually pretty decent, but now he's up to 244k, minus 12. I still think he's not a target based on what we really can't see uh, longevity in that in that role. What are you thinking, Jeb? Yeah, I don't think he's a target either. I think we, we've got to try shore in players that are going to play at least a month. And, um, you know, on that, there's with the Lysett news today, we're going to know team selection on Friday before lockout if um, either Hayes or... Um, Oh, what's the other fellow's name? Laddams. Big Laddams, thank you. That is who's going to be named and how Hinkley goes there. So, if Hayes is named, then you'd prefer, you'd definitely prefer Hayes ahead of Sweet. Um, but just having that unsure, you know, or uneasy job security, picking up Sweet's not really wise. Yeah, I said it on Twitter this week, uh, and also in the solo podcast yesterday. Uh, so that Michael Voss on Monday, he pretty much said everything except for that Hayes is making his debut this week. So I'd be quite surprised if Hayes doesn't uh, play this week. But anyway, we'll see how we go. Uh, but at, at least over the next four weeks, uh, Hayes w- is probably going to get a look in. It's just a matter of when. Uh, by the sounds of what Michael Voss was saying on Monday, I think it's going to be this week. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, the next one up, uh, Riley Collier-Dawkins, minus... 10 break even, 232k. Well, we now know with the Richmond injury situation in that midfield that he is pretty solid in there, Jeb. If you don't have him, he's a monster target. Yeah, you just got to trade him in. I don't think we dwell on it anymore. He um, He's a number one target, downgrade target for those that don't own him. It's as simple as that. All The role's there, the job security in the short term's there, 
and he should score 60 plus so there's not a lot to um, be disgruntled by next up Next one up, Ryan Burns. Uh, was solid again for the Saints. Uh, it was actually a pretty scrappy game against the Suns on Saturday. But he's up to 240k now, but still a pretty decent break even a minus 10. I do like him, Jeb. What are you thinking? No, I don't like him. I, um, it's just a job security um, issue. And it's, it comes back to how um, Ratton wants to play his team. I just I feel like it's not a sure thing. And again, I... Before these buy rounds, I'm just trying to lock in um, the the rook to the job security. And look, I got burnt um, with Rantel and McRae, mm-hmm. um, so I can't afford the risk of a Burns if it does belly up. But you know, if you don't own a Rantel, sure. Or if you've got you know four green dots on your bench, you, you probably take the pun on Burns. On to the next one, Nick Bryan for the Bombers. Uh, we did mention that he was going to be up against Shane Mumford if he did play last week, but that wasn't the case. Andrew Phillips did come in for that matchup. Uh, it's the one to keep on your radar. So uh, until he gets named again, I think he will see uh, quite a handful of games to finish the season, and hopefully that's a decent run. So keep him on your radar for me. Yeah, I, I thought Phillips was actually really good. So um, it might not be this week. It's just, yeah, it's one to monitor when Essendon put the queue in the rack if they ever do. So, um, yeah, tough one. Tough one because there's a lot of people that want to do Flynn. They're probably the same situation. Let's see if Hayes is named. Yeah. And um, probably get the four weeks out of Haynes. Um, Hayes, three yeah. weeks. And then Hayes, sorry. And then um, and go from there after that. Yeah, well, just on Hayes again, if he's named this week, I think it's a he's a pretty much a strong target. What are you thinking? Yeah, and I've look, I've got Hunter as my R3, mm. and obviously Hunter's not coming back this season, assuming Saints State remain pretty healthy. But um, so I'm actually thinking of banking the cash straight out because it's 75 grand. Mm. Hunter's 245. Um, I'm not going to get much better than that, and mm. I'm. Yep. I'd love a, um, a playing Ruckman over the Byrons, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think yeah. that's pretty invaluable. So I'm eagerly, eagerly, eagerly waiting um, to see how teams are named, and I might jump on straight away. Yeah, I think you'll probably almost start to plan for that. So, again, I'll be surprised from what Michael Voss was saying. Pretty much said everything except that he's playing. But anyway, we'll see how we go. Uh, the next one here is Matthew Owies. Uh, he was actually pretty much solid again. Uh, for the Blues, uh, Jack Martin on the radar to return and um, Zach Fisher as well at some stage. But I think he's pretty much making himself a mainstay in that team. So he's applying plenty of pressure and it's been good for the Blues. But 223k now, minus one break even. I think this is probably the last week. You know, he's playing that small forward type role, which is quite volatile and low scoring at times. I think this is the last week you pretty much can catch him, but he's hopefully he can, at some stage you can break 300k, you can make 150k or approximately there out of him. Jep. Yeah, you, you're spot on there with the um, with the role. I think he's he's pretty much solidified a small forward role for for Carlton with good. Eddie Betts. Yeah, he's been great, but um, he's that slow burn. He's like that Jimmy Rowe. Um, yep. He's bench cover and he's a slow burner and a slow earner on your bench. Um, so it's up to up to those that. And obviously, he's, he, you'll probably be playing him over the buy rounds um, as well. So, 
just keep that in mind when you when you're thinking of trading him in. I I'm not going to go there. Yeah, it's it's just you know if he is solid in that team, I think he's actually probably not a bad trade target. But at minus one and two twenty three k, you pretty much need to get in this week to get any sort of uh, payout on that in the uh, long term. I think there, Jeff. Okay, on to the last one there. It doesn't have a negative break even, but we're going to throw him in here for a discussion. Is Caleb Porter? Um, I think he's been actually really good for Collingwood in his first couple of games. He's at 254k now, but he's a break-even of four. I think he's pretty solid in that team. But then again, I thought the same with McRae, but, you know, Bucks did leave McRae at half-forward, and Rantel was pretty much in and out. So uh, he's pretty much settled into that wing role quite nicely for the Magpies. I'm pretty bullish on his medium to... Well, let's just keep it at medium-term job security. I think he's still a target at 254k and break even to four. What do you think of Jeff? Oh, I think he's been great. Um, again, bringing him in is a risk because he might get rested over the, you know, an extra week over the buy rounds. They might freshen him up. We can't rule that out. You know, they're, they're going to protect their kids um, and rightfully so because it's a long game for Collingwood. So. It's the same thing for me. I'd love to bring him in. I really would, but I've got Rantel and McCray ready, and I can't have a third. Yeah, having that third third Collingwood player in there is a bit of a stretch, but I guess if he goes out, that uh, one of those other two might come in. But we'll see how they go at Collingwood. All right, okay, Jep, we're going to move on to some premium players to target. So these are high ceiling player types, less than 750k, and a break even less than. 100. So we're just going to run few through a few here, uh, just a one-liner out of each. So Sam Doherty, defensive role, 736k, break even of 98. I think he's going to score well for the main of the season. What are you thinking? Yeah, he's uh, he's making me look bad because I I keep saying dislike or, or not go there, but yeah, he played. He was excellent on the weekend, and um, I think those owners or the the coaches, sorry, in the top 1,000 or top 100 definitely own him. There'll be a heavy majority that have him. Um, every team that I've seen in the top 1,000 or in the top 500 even definitely have him. So he's paid dividends and he should be a target. Next one, first player in my spreadsheet for this podcast, old mate Darcy Parrish. So for me, it's I still like him, but yet the play to get him was quite a few weeks ago. 736K is probably a little bit more, a little bit too expensive now. Uh, 77 break game is still actually quite solid. High midfield usage, and he's actually putting up ceiling games. What are you thinking, Jeb? Yeah, I still don't like him, but that's probably a bit of bias there. He had the most in advances for um, for the Essendon midfielders on the weekend. So the role's definitely ticked off. Um, we'll see what happens when um, Shield comes back and, and that affects him. But uh, for now, yeah, he's probably too much to, to bring in, and, and you can shore yourself up with a a decent primo and someone like a Trelaw or someone a bit safer. Yeah, Shields out for a pretty decent amount of time, eight to ten weeks still away. And Jai Corwell is actually now out for an extended season, uh, part of the season. So, you know, it's pretty much going to have that role for the remainder of the year. So, you know, as much as I say he's now at an inflated price, um, he, he would be unique, and he's going to be in that role pretty much for the remainder of the season, so I still think he's pretty solid. Okay, but I'll open that tab and get him in there first for next week for you. Okay, on to Christian Salem. So a halfback role for Demons, seeing plenty of ball. 
97 break-even, so it's up there a little bit elevated, 733k. Um, he does have a bit of a ceiling about him, but again, defenders can have a flat average over a period of time. What are you thinking, Jep? Uh, yeah, look, I don't mind him, but it just comes back to the argument, is he a top six defender? Are you, do you have better options? You know, there's probably seven ahead of him, eight ahead of him. He's on the fringe of um, the top six, but no, he's not for me. On to the next one, Jack Crisp. Obviously, some changes there to Collingwood from last week into the midfield and into the midfield at a high rate. So break even 96, 720K. What are you thinking? Well, look, I love him because I, I'm an owner and um, he, he's got the ceiling and he can play the junk time. So, But you've got to ride the wave with Jack Crisp because he gets 70s one week and then 126 the next week. It's uh, It can be pretty frustrating. Yeah, interesting to see how the Magpies go here on out for the remainder of the season. We know that they previously, before this year, that they were a high disposal, high ball retaining top team. And this year that they just haven't been that. There was a bit of a change, a bit of a shift in style on the weekend. So I just wonder if they're just actually going to go back to what uh, served them quite well for the last few years. So which, if that's the case, that the Magpies players could start to score well again. Okay, on to the next one. Daniel Rich really hasn't, we really haven't covered him off this year, but um, kick-ins at a high rate. Um, he's just cleaning up around deep defence across half bait for the Lions. He's got a monster ceiling as we've seen this year. Jep, 714k, 89 break even. What are you thinking? I love him. Yeah, he's a unique, isn't he? Um, and yeah, watching the Freo game, he, uh, he he even in the those greasy conditions at yeah. Brisbane, he still marked. He he took a few intercept marks as well. So um, yeah, probably not one to to dislike too much because he's pretty durable. I don't think he's he's one of those players that hardly misses a game. So that's a big tick. Yep. Probably like even if I don't see him as a top six defender, but I consider him, you know, way more than Salem. On to the next one, Andrew Brayshaw. Uh, so his scores have been a little bit volatile this season. Adam Chera is due to come back into that team, hopefully this week. Break even a 97 for Brayshaw, 698k. I like him a lot. It's just, you know, are there other options below him at a cheaper price that, that probably uh, suit me a lot more? What are you thinking on Brayshaw, Jep? I like him a lot too, but I don't know why Longmuir decided to play him a bit more outside against Brisbane. I mm. thought that was a real shock. Um, and I'm hopefully, well, I'm hoping, sorry, that it's only for one week. So, <clears throat> yeah, definitely one to still look at. Um, I'm probably going to have another week look at Brayshaw and then decide because I've been looking at him for a couple of weeks and almost picked him up a few weeks ago. So um, he's one that can um, turn it on when he has to, but he needs that inside role because yep. that's his, you know, he it's plays to his strengths then, yeah. On to the next one, Tim Kelly has uh, seen no real opposition attention the last couple of weeks, and he's put up a couple of ceiling games. So soft matchups, you've got to keep that in mind if you're thinking about Kelly, and it will get harder over the rest of the season. But against Adelaide this week, we could see another ceiling game. What are you thinking, Jeb? Yeah, surprised he um, he didn't get tagged by um, Warpole or someone at Hawthorne last week. I thought that was very interesting, yep. especially they uh, with Hawthorne going to a tag. So. Yeah, look, Kelly's great, but this minute he gets tagged, then then yeah, you're restricted, aren't you? So he's going to get tagged along the way. Um, if you're happy to ride that wave, then pick him up. 696k and 83 break break even for Kelly. So he's in that range where he could be a target. Uh, next one there, Nat Five. 
Uh, we could see Five go back to his forward role again, which reduces his midfield output. Uh, we know he's not hitting the scoreboard, unfortunately, which could bump up his average there. But he's a little bit volatile for me. 684k, break even of 98. I think we can pretty much pass, although his forward status does make him a little bit of a target. What do you think, Jep? Yeah, it's, um, I think he'd be having some pretty high ceiling games if you'd kick it through the two middle sticks. Um, he's got the yips and it's probably above the shoulders and not you know, a technique thing. Um, so, oh, look, I, don't, I think there are better options elsewhere. One we're going to talk about next. Yeah, probably the target of the week, Josh Kelly. Um, I think you'll see a high trade in target. And he was a target last week, and I think more so this week when people have seen back-to-back solid games for him. So a massive like here for me, 684k break, even a 98. What are you thinking, Chip? Yeah, the only thing I don't like about Josh Kelly is he's round 12 buy. Um, but everything else is great. The role, you know, he plays Richmond this week and his short-term um, fixtures and matchups are an ideal um, his price, his ceiling, there's a lot to love. It's just the uh, round 12 buy that's a little bit of a roadblock. So I'm still undecided. Yeah, I think I said the wrong price and break even for Kelly there. So he's at 683k with a break even of 83. On to the next one, Brad Crouch. Obviously, Saints being back in form from a contested position type style of game, and Crouch has seen some um, pretty good scores coming his way. High inside centre bounce usage, 658k, break even of 92. I think he's in that range to be a target, Jeb. Uh, he probably will get overlooked f- um, with those. Most people pretty much going to Kelly. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's a tough one because he, d- he kind of has a ceiling, but then he doesn't. Um, and he can really stink it up yeah. and it can sting you. Like, he scored 49 against Port Adelaide a few weeks ago. So um, I think there's better options. Yeah, just we need reliability from this point out. Yeah, we really do. Like, yeah. any play, you just got to... Any play you trade in from this moment, especially before the buy rounds, they've just got to absolutely nail it. Yeah, can't have any errors or risk. The next player... Uh, again, a couple of soft matchups for the Eagles and one player that's had to pretty much crush it over the last few weeks uh, in that range, at least anyway, is Dom Sheed. So his break-even is 71. It's quite healthy. 657k, Jeb. Uh, does that tempt you at all on Dom Sheed? It does. It does a lot. And Sheed's a way better get um, than Kelly. Obviously, he's not going to get attention, um, but he hits every stat line. Like some of the like underrated stats... In his marks, he took 10 marks on the weekend, um, which is huge for a, for a midfielder. Um, he, he gets the odd tackle here and there, and he can kick a goal here and there as well. So I think he's definitely is a target, especially with his ceiling. But the thing with Sheed is when Eagles play well, he will score well. When Eagles play poorly, he will score poorly. Mm. And I know my team pretty well. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's got to recognise there again on the West Coast situation that they've had a really uh, good couple of weeks with regards to the soft matchups, and they'll have another soft matchup against pretty much Adelaide this week. So, you know, we could see a ceiling game for him, but what we need again is what we just said a couple of minutes ago. Uh, you need to hit him week in, week out with regards to um, yeah, no areas. So, I still I still like him at 71 break even. He, if he puts up a monster game this week, he could be well in front of uh, that. He's priced at 657k, which he 
is his entry price this week. Okay, on to Rory Sloan. First game back from an eye injury. He was fantastic in the midfield for the Crows. 6.48 Ks, break even at 63. Uh, if you're not going Josh Kelly this week, I think he's the next target pretty much, or at least the third target. What do you think in there, Jep? Yeah, I um, he's very much part of the engine at Adelaide, and um, look, West Coast will let him do his thing. I don't think he'll get much attention. And then looking at their draw um, with the round 14 bye, they got Melbourne the week after, which might be a harder matchup, but it's pretty soft till their round 14 bye. On to the next player. If you don't have him already, we talked about him early in the podcast. It's Aaron Hall. If he plays in that role across halfback for the remainder of the season, he's going to put up a monster average again with the Kangaroos conceding a lot of scores and they're pretty much in a losing situation most weeks for the remainder of the season, although they could pinch out a game or two to finish out the season. He's going to see a lot of traffic in his area. At 6.33k break, even the 38, uh, he, if you don't have him already, I think he's just a monster target. What do you reckon, Jeff? Yeah, non-owners need to make him a priority. Yeah, um, sure. I can't see his role changing. Um, so yeah, there's there's not a lot to dislike. If you know, everyone, any player can get injured, and he's probably had more of his fair share of injuries. But there's the reward here is too big. He's cheap with a high ceiling, with the role that suits his high ceiling. So come on. Done. Yeah, pretty much. But again, the the one thing that you'll put a uh, a risk association with this is that the kangaroos in a rebuild phase. So you just you know, as much as I talked about Clarko making changes, the kangaroos are right in that zone as well. So uh, I wouldn't rule it out that there could be a change, but you just got to uh, be mindful that there they could be. I think it's low risk at this stage, but yeah, the kangaroos could do anything with their team for the remainder of the season. And I think that's giving the younger guys. Uh, opportunities later in there, but we'll see how that plays out, yeah. Okay, the last one there is Caleb Daniel. Um, it was pretty much, he got there in the end on Sunday, but yeah, it was looking pretty bleak for a while, which is disappointing again. 573k now, he's dropped a monster amount of cash this season so far. Break even is 75 though, but um, he was moved down to position on Sunday from and Bevo pretty much uh, followed up in his post-game presser is that the Carlton forwards dictated his position on the ground. So that's just something to keep an eye at. And again, we do know that he was tagged last year in his half-back role and he was moved into a more forward role. That was last year. So for me, I think there's a higher man of risk with Daniel. I do like him. I love him at this price. I love that break even. I like everything about it. But there's just, you know... When we're talking about risk association, I think it's in that high sort of zone. What do you think in there, Jep? Uh, yeah, I can't do it. It'd be so stressful owning him. Like, if it wasn't for that junk time and that move in the last quarter, then who knows what he would have scored. So, oh, geez, you just can't do it. You've got to nail it. You've got to nail it, and he's just too risky. Yep. All right, Jep, just to finish off, thanks for the listeners to sending in players that they want discussed. Uh, it's time to play like or dislike. We have a 12-pack to finish at the podcast. So just a quick comment, like or dislike, on each of these players. Uh, Zach Williams um, had some injury concerns so far this year. 548k, break even on 111 for me to dislike at this stage still, Jeff. Dislike, not fit enough to be a midfielder. 
James Harms, now he comes back into that team, sees high midfielder usage. Jack Viney is out of the team with an injury and out of that team for a couple of weeks, it looks like. Uh, it's a big lock here for me, break even of 44, 5.15k jet. Like for me, what are you thinking? Yeah, love. Absolutely love. The, the mid-price that we all hoped he was at round one. Um, and after, you know, missing round two and onwards, he's, he's back. So, love. Connor Rosie had a soft matchup against the Crows last week. Uh, it was a, very much a slippery game in that showdown, but he pretty much bought his own dry ball to that game. He handled the conditions quite well. Uh, put up a decent score as well. 495k. He's going to be tempting for a few break, even a 35 there as well. So he's going to make some cash, you would think, over the next few weeks, but against a high disposal team in which pretty much the Bulldogs are, that he might struggle a little bit. We'll see how that game plays out. But yeah, you've just got to recognise there the soft matchup there. But uh, for me, that 495k and break, even a 35 is alike. But I just still think there's going to be some volatility in his scoring, so it's a dislike overall for me. For Rosie, what are you thinking? Uh, dislike, spend the extra 20 grand and get Harms, who's got the role. Okay, on to Jordan Degoe. So this is either way, you know, a lot of people would see that score that he put up, he kicked a handful of goals and put up a pretty decent score, but you've got to recognise that it was a soft matchup and he's not going to get that every week. So it's going to be volatile scoring. If you've got him in your team again, I still think it's an exit you need to get out of there. Uh, you obviously cashed in on a good score last week, but I think it's time to exit. Collingwood have actually got a pretty difficult run coming up the next few weeks. Uh, but yeah, uh, played at majority forward last week. So he's at 432k, 61 break even. Definitely not a like for me, Jeff. Hasn't been all year. What are you thinking? Dislike. It's he can't go there. On to Luke Parker. Now he has seen pretty decent midfield usage, but that break even for me is still high. 115. He's going to bleed a little bit more cash, you would think. Although he can hit that. 719k is a little bit tempting there in that price range. What do you think? Oh, I actually don't mind him. I would say it's a like for me, but I might want to see one more week. Uh, what do you think in there, Jet? For me, it's a like. Yeah, it's a like for me. Maybe not this week, but um, in time. And I think he's one to get potentially get forward status um, in uh, round 12. Uh, the next one here for the Cats. Now, the Cats have started to not play slow ball movement, They've started to outdispose their opponents on a week-by-week basis over recent games. Now, one player we know has a pretty decent ceiling when he gets going is Sam Menegola. 638k, break-even of 85. Can we trust him to get it done week in, week out, Jeb? Or are we concerned about volatility in his scoring? For me, it's I'm going to say dislike, but I'm just, you know, he can go off. No, I'm going to say like. I think, um, you know, he's, he's warming up to, to bigger and better things and Geelong play possession football and he's got the role there in the outside mid to, to, to get it done. Um, the only thing I'd flag is, <clears throat> you know, the rounds well by and, and looking at him post by. The next one here is James Warple. Uh, obviously, the Jacob O'Meara is coming back into that team likely for this week, so we'll see how that plays out. But Warble went in for a couple of weeks and obviously hit a couple of decent scores there as well. So he's at a very juicy 582k, which I love. He's also at a very juicy break even of 52, which I love. However, if Jacob O'Meara is coming back into that team and, and Warple is going out to his previous role, 
uh, before O'Meara and Wingard went out of that team, uh, you got to expect some low scores there. So I do love both of that price and that break-even, but for me, Warple has to be a dislike, Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, no, dislike for me too. It, it could all really come undone badly. The next one here is Mitch Duncan, high ceiling type play, but you're going to pay a high price tag. For me, I love uh, Mitch Duncan, 849 price tag with a 103 break even. Chip, me love, what are you thinking? I love, and um, I'm going to throw it in there. Is, is he going to get any cheaper? <laughs> he just keeps going and going. So it um, comes at a cost. It's probably um, too far for many, but those with cash might want to take a punt because he's lowly owned. The next one on the radar for a few coaches would be James Rowe bottom for the Swans. Uh, pretty decent centre bounce usage and pretty decent midfield usage uh, for the Swans there. But I think there's too much volatility for me. Uh, his price take is 600 and a break even of 56. I just don't think he's there just yet as a, a consistent scoring midfielder in fantasy jet. So for me to dislike, what are you thinking? Yeah, same, mate. You nailed it. Consistency. Um, but he hasn't scored less than 83 in his four games this season. So, oh, it is it is tempting. And yeah. Collingwood, Fremantle, Carlton, St Kilda and Hawthorne with the next, what's that, five weeks? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, mm. People said they were going there. I would say, yep, okay. Uh, but for me, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, stay on the side of safety, I would think. But, yeah. Uh, he can certainly get going. On to the next one there, Riley O'Brien. I had a top three of premium rucks there, but you know, I'm going to have to take Riley O'Brien out of there. Um, so he has struggled to hit the fantasy scoreboard this year. Uh, for those that have him, you know, are you going to exit? Um, I'm not too sure where you need to stand. I think I think it's almost a hole, but you've got a tough matchup this week against Nate Nui. Um, he's down at 658k, break even to 127. He, he's going to bleed a lot more cash. I don't think he's a target, but I just guess, you know, what, what do you do if you have him? Uh, for me, I'm going to say at this stage I'm a dislike, but I'm going to add a comment here. If you've got him, I think it's almost a hold. What do you reckon, Jeff? Dislike, and I agree with your comment there. You've got to hold him because a lot of them, a lot of coaches or owners need to wait for for Gorn, and there's, you know, they're on the same flight path, so to speak. They're both um, dropping in cash, so it's when you push the button to, to upgrade to Gorn or Grundy or whatever. Uh, so the next one there, Jeremy Cameron at a day out against the Tigers last week. He was fantastic. Now, he's at a 487 salary uh, price, which is not that bad. He can score from a fantasy perspective, which we did see at the Giants, and he's at a very juicy 43 break even Key forward ship uh, can go up and down, but have the Cats found the key to their season? Is Jeremy Cameron going to benefit from that? So uh, what can his average? Um, I think in the mid-80s to 90s is a potential, but you need to see that from a consistent point of view. Uh, for me, I'm going to take a pass and say dislike. What do you reckon? I'm going to say dislike as well. However, I'll just flag that he almost was a top six forward a few years back when GWS were up and about. So mm. with the supply he's going to get from his Geelong midfielders, I, I wouldn't um, debate anyone bringing him in for 487000 The thing about Jeremy Cameron, if Geelong played at the MCG each week, man, he got so much space. But that, yeah. that Geelong ground is so narrow. So how much space is he going to get uh, down at... Uh, GMHBA Stadium. So 
Yeah, for me, if he was playing at uh, the MCG, I, I would certainly almost take a pun on him. But yeah, who knows? But you know, if the Cats have found the key to their season, you know, he he could be one to benefit a lot. Okay, the last one on here for the podcast is Zach Bailey. Uh, has seen some inconsistent scoring. So for me, I'm going to say no. He's at 485k and a break-even of 48. Um, if people went to him, I could see why that would be the situation. But yeah, for me, it's a pass. Dislike, what do you think of Jeff? No, dislike for me. I thought um, if he was going to score well without me on the team, he would have done it by now. Okay. That's it for this episode. Solo podcast on Monday nights for a review of the previous week's games. And dual podcast on Tuesday nights for a drop between Jeb and I. Final thoughts heading into round nine, Jeb. Discipline trades. Stay strong. Yeah, pretty much I would agree with that. So, uh, And just keep an eye over news and hopefully we get a couple more debuts this week. Okay, Jeb, that's it for episode 83. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone.